How's that white claw? That was a legitimate cough. <laughs> I'm drinking a black cherry white claw. Not not my favorite kind, but it's it's all right. So let me ask you an honest question. Um, and I think I asked you this question about two weeks ago. Is this the pubes thing? The <laughs> pubes teeth? <laughs> the would you rather? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, okay. no. I'm not going to ask you that question. Right. We, we've already been down that road. That's right. I already know your answer. All right. Yeah, you need to eat steak. All right. Yeah. You have a four-year-old son. Uh-huh. Uh, such a great little kid. Yeah. Lo- he loves name- you, man. <laughs> Dude, I love that little kid. His name is David. He's such a cool kid. Just, um, you know, like, and honestly, if I can say one thing from an outside perspective, um, I can I can tell that he is loved. Mm. And that's and that's cool because um, a lot of a lot of kids are growing up with they, they grow up with fear. Yeah. Um, they grow up um, knowing, uh, well, not in their conscious mind, but subconsciously, they can't do certain things. Otherwise, this happens. Or yeah. like, there's a lot of uh, just fear built around their life. And I see this kid, and it's he's loved. And I don't want to get off track, but that's dude. That's I'm glad you said that yeah. because in the public every day, yeah, I don't think parents realize they're doing it. Because it's just how they were raised sure. and how their parents were raised, you know. But I think people people parent with fear yeah. all the time. And we try not to. I mean, there are times when, like, for sure, like, we're going to take this away if you do this. Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's yeah. And that, that is a little bit of it. But, like, um, in the public, I see every day kids terrified of their parents, yeah. you know, based on how their parents react to things. Or, you know, we never... that That's important to us man yeah we want our kid to, to feel safe yeah and, and it's know. it's clear from an outside perspective like you guys yeah like he's loved and that's Thanks, man and that's cool um but the question i have for you and mm-hmm. actually jess you can uh, uh over here and maybe chime in from across by the, the way room. it's just as we're recording this december 23rd and jessica's uh sitting on the floor wrapping some some, some presents, presents. Yeah, yeah that's cool um have you ever, or do you ever, are you ever concerned that what you're, the way you're raising your kid, the way you're raising David, that there's going to be things that he is going to have to unlearn later in life? Because I don't, I don't have any kids. Mm-hmm. I have zero children at this point. I might at some point, who knows? But does the thought ever cross your mind? Are you ever concerned with, am I raising my child am i raising like are you concerned with that there's things that you're teaching your son that he might have to unlearn later on in life that's a good question man yes for sure because because i think that's just how our you know how how we work right there's a fear that you know that i'm teaching the wrong thing or i'm i'm because I'm doing it so differently than my parents did it, you know, that I'm doing it wrong or, you know, that's, that's for sure a fear. I think I'm more like, I'm built more to think like maybe everyone else is wrong and I've got to un unteach every, everything else that he learns out there, you know, like that's yeah. probably more of a fear and that's just my ego. Hmm. Um, it's a very dense and hard question to process mm-hmm. because I mean, like, how do you, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do you know what your kid is going to have to unlearn later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really tough question. 
And the reason I bring it up is because um, about two weeks ago, uh, I found out that my mom has uh, stage three breast cancer. And it doesn't run in my family. At least we didn't think so. Um, and you guys kind of know a little bit about the history of my, me and my family and my mom and my relationship with her. Uh, the last time I saw my mom was um, January 2015. So we're approaching five years. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's some strain there, but I didn't know that yep. you haven't seen her in that long. Yeah, I saw her. I went down to Arizona when she was living down there. Traveling through is just after my divorce. Um, uh, I had just gotten, I well, I mean, like I had been separated from Juge for five months, and we had just processed the divorce. And it was traveling through Arizona, and uh, I was on a big, long road trip, the road trip that was will forever stay in my mind as like one of the best things I've ever done. Um, and, uh, I stopped in Arizona to see my mom and she still had like pictures of me and Juge all over her house. <laughs> when I, mm -hmm. <laughs> after I, I went there and I was like, mom, you can take these down. And she's like, no, these are really great. Um, but that was the last time I saw her. Um, and, uh, she, created a Facebook post or a Facebook group um, to let everyone know that she has cancer. And I don't think she tried to do it that way. I think she meant to tell us like in person or not in person, uh, like with a phone call or with a text or something like that. But how I found out was through the Facebook group that she has stage three uh, breast cancer it has not spread to her other organs, but it doesn't mean it hasn't spread. Um, she has to get a PET scan and uh, MRI of her brain. She's started chemo. She just started it. Um, she found out back in September and kind of waited to tell everyone until she knew more, I guess. Um, we, I, we don't know what that means for basically everything. Um, she's going to go through six rounds of chemo and see what happens. Um, she had to see if her heart was strong enough for chemo cause she's not active. She is, I think 62 or 63. Um, and you guys know a little bit about my history, my, um, my relationship with my mom. It's not the best. It hasn't been the best for a long, long, long time. There's been a lot of things that I have had to unlearn and heal from my relationship with my mom. And so now I'm at this weird point where I don't, I don't know how to navigate this mm -hmm. at all. And it was weird. My mom said, she sent me a picture. Um, they put a chemo port in, a, in her, in her, uh, like upper chest near her collarbone. So that way they can uh, administer, um, uh, the chemotherapy and also take blood without having to stick her with needles every single day. And she sent a text and she was like, it's sinking and that I'm ac an actual cancer patient. And that was a weird text to receive from a mom that I haven't really heard from mm -hmm. in a long time. And I don't know how to navigate those. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there are a lot of feelings. 
Mm. A lot of really, really mixed emotions um, that are coming up because now, oh my God, I don't know if my mom's going to live in you know, another few years. I don't know what her quality of life is going to be. She's going through care- chemotherapy alone in a small town in New Mexico. We're all up here in Michigan, everyone else. Um, my, well, my brother Ben's in Arizona, but it's weird. Yeah. First of all, um, I'm I'm so sorry, man. That's awful news to hear, and there really aren't. I don't have words to, yeah. you know, say the right thing <laughs> at this point. You know, I'm sorry for that. Are you? So she's she's alone. She's in New Mexico. Does she have anyone down there? I don't she's think so. I think herself? she has a few friends um, in the area, but honestly, I'm. I'm not really sure. She doesn't talk much about anything. Um, So I'm not, I don't know. Can I ask you to like go into the background of what your mom and and you were fighting about? Because I don't know. Yeah. Not okay. The history of of me and my mom. And it's it's not like we fight. We actually get along amicably. Um, But it's years and years of slow tumultuous abuse um from when i was a kid and i say abuse but it's not like abuse like you think um my mom just didn't like me as a kid um and years and years and years of that um sets a certain precedence in a kid's life growing up um i had a lot of self-worth issues um didn't think I was worth anything. I didn't think I was valued. Going through high school, I, I felt like I had to be fake because if anyone knew who I was for real, they wouldn't like me. So I was super fake. Um, pretty much my whole life, that's that's been my mo. Is I need I need to put up a mask. I need to build a house of cards because if anyone knew who I was for real, they wouldn't like me because my mom knew who I was. And my mom didn't like me. So the past five years, since since I got a, it's funny since I got a divorce, it kind of unraveled a lot of things. And the unlearning was, I had to unlearn the idea and the process that I wasn't liked. I had to unlearn the idea that I wasn't valued and that I wasn't enough. Um, I had to unlearn the idea that if people saw me for real, that they wouldn't leave or they wouldn't like me. These, like these are the things that I had to unlearn about myself. And I had to reteach my thought process. I had to literally instill a whole new thought process. Um, there are some really, really big crucial people in my life. Like there was a girl named Brandy who came in and out of my life briefly, um, who was one of the most crucial she just she came in at the perfect time and just taught me exactly what I needed to know about myself, um, and that and that's and that and that I was enough. Um, like who I was as a person was enough, um, and so these past five years I've been unlearning so much about who I thought I was at my entire life growing up as a child. And so now I'm at this stable point where I feel like I'm enough. I'm confident in who I am as a person. Um, and even enough to where I can reapproach my mom in ways, 
to, you know, like I'm like, she was, she was toxic to me. So I had to keep her at a distance for my own, for my own mental health. And now she, uh, has likely a, a terminal illness. And I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to navigate that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to navigate that. So the past five years, and you know, you've gone through this process where you've unraveled these things that you've learned and you've, yeah, um, you've unlearned them and you've become more confident. And then on the other hand, you've also recognized that the source of much of that was her through that growth that you've had. Do you feel like you are, are you at a place where, you harbor, you know, bitterness toward her? No. Or do you feel like you, you are at a forgiving, you know, place? No, I, no, I, I love my mom. I, I really do. Um, I, a lot of the bitterness and the anger was early on, mm-hmm. um, in the first year. Or so a lot of memories came up that I wasn't expecting, uh, things, specific instances of things that she did that I think back and I'm like, man, that was really cruel. Like as a mom to a son, like that was really cruel. Um, uh, just small things at the time, it, they seem small, like the way they would come across would seem like some of the things she did was small, but thinking back, like those, those things, they stuck in my memories as anchor points for me to reflect back on who my mom taught me I was <clears throat> to be like, that those were the cornerstones of the pillars of who I thought I was. Because if my mom, if my mom didn't, if she saw me a certain way, I mean, she is the the person that I'm, I'm, I have to frame it. Like that's my framework for everything moving forward. And, um, I mean like a great example. And I think I've told you this story before going into high school, um, I remember we were enrolling at the Charlotte, Michigan High School, um, and this was in August, so it was right before I was uh, starting my freshman year there. Um, and I was sitting in the counselor's office, and um, the counselor laid out all four years. Just, I mean, because that's what you do in high school—you just lay out all four years. And in counselor gave me, um, he gave me a, a list of like all my classes for the whole first year. And I was like, it was like, there were things, there was like seven periods or something like that. Um, and then the counselor said, all right, here you go. And you're scheduled to graduate June, 2001. And my mom goes, he's not going to graduate on time. And this was before I started. This was before I had even taken my first step into any one of the classes um that's like i vividly remember that and i said yes i am and she goes no you're not and i was like yes i am and she goes i bet you won't i bet you twenty dollars and it, it was it was a twenty dollar bet she's like i bet you twenty dollars you will not graduate on time and i didn't i didn't graduate on time um she instilled doubt and fear into my mind about who I was, like at the central core of who I was as a person. Um, I had no value system. I had no confidence. I had no, um, I wanted no one to know who I was because my mom knew who I was and she didn't, she didn't like me. 
And so I wanted no one to know who I was. And the past five years have been me reteaching. I mean, I'm, I'm 37. This took until I was 32 years old to get to this point. Like, I lived like this for so long. And now I'm at this point um, where I've reframed and reshaped who I was as a person. I am enough. And I love who I am as a person. Like, I love, I love who I am. And I love who I am because of the people that are around me and people like, people like you um, that, I, that I call like my best friend in my life. Like, I know we, we can be apart for three years and the moment we see each other, we can pick right back up mm. um, because of who you are. Or we can live 45 minutes apart. <laughs> and never see each other. <laughs> um, and I, have, I, have a, I have a question. So I, and I don't yeah. want, I want to be careful here because I don't want this to sound like I'm minimizing what, yeah. what your experience is at all. I think that, so from a parent, from a parent's perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think n- now I understand the context of your question a little bit more yeah. that you asked at the beginning. Um, I think a constant fear of mine is that, you know, I'm carrying all of my shit, yeah. right? I'm carrying all of my anxiety and all of the things that my parents did to me. And all of the, you know, Jessica's carrying all of the things that her, you know, the way that her family interacted and behaved. And we're carrying all of this and we're trying constantly to evolve in how we deal with our son and how we teach him and how we interact with him. And, and try we try constantly to make sure that our shit is not the filter through which he experiences us. So... From that perspective, I think, hopefully, you know, everybody who's a parent is going through that process. What, what do you think, you know, what, where do you think this came from for your, for your mother? Oh, it, a hundred percent. Like I can almost guarantee you a hundred percent. It came from her childhood Mm -hmm. because she, she talks about the way her mom treated her. And, um, I mean, like, vividly many many times she would talk about how her mom my grandma was bitter and old and treated them terribly and um like with all that said like my dad is like he's my hero and he always has been Hmm. like since i was a kid he like he has been the one constant in my life um like i i know that like if i ever have kids i'm gonna model how to love my child like the way my dad loves me and loves my siblings. Like there's no doubt. And I don't have any doubt that my mom loves us. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that at all. And she loved us great. And, but the baggage that she carried into this family ended up carrying on generationally. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have, like if I, if I ever move forward, it's so important for me to break that ancestral curse that that generational curse that that she has carried on from her mom Mm -hmm. and then passed on to us and she didn't obviously she didn't try to do this i don't blame i think it's really important uh for everyone to hear like i don't blame my mom for this um i'm not bitter towards my mom i'm telling a story um from the reality of how i see it so this is this is me and my story and my reality Mm -hmm. um 
the question came up for me because you have a four-year-old you and Mm -hmm. you and jessica have this incredible (laughs) incredible little human running around with so much joy and so much innocence and so much love and and now i'm at this really weird point where i'm with a mom that is likely um i mean stage three three breast cancer is treatable but um we don't know if it's spread to um, her brain or her lymph nodes Um, if it has it's it's likely bad Um, and that means there's a time limit she has a you know a given amount of time that she's going to live and I don't, I don't know how to navigate that. I don't know how to process that because I wasn't, I'm not ready. I'm not at that point yet. I, I'm not, I'm not at my deconstruction process far enough along to, to peacefully say goodbye to my mom. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean specifically by, by that? Like, as far as you feel like, you have a religious, um, not a religious deconstruction. Okay. A, yeah. A, uh, okay. A deconstruction of how I, how I viewed everything, mm-hmm. um, from when I, from when I grew up, like I'm not at that point yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at this weird, I'm at this weird crossroads where I, I don't know how I don't I don't know how to navigate the feelings let alone what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to act um what I'm supposed to say like basically everything is a complete mystery to me at this point and so I and that's why I wanted to ask you mm because I feel like it's such a raw, a raw and honest question mm-hmm. is, are you, do you ever, does that ever cross your mind? Are you ever concerned with what you're raising David? Are you ever concerned that at, when he's 35, he's going to have to deconstruct or unlearn or reshape or reteach? Like, does that, is that a fear that crosses your mind? Do you ever do you ever think about that? And if so, like, how do you process that? So not, not with a full understanding and grasp <laughs> of the context of that question. I think that um, I can speak for both of us, but I'll, but I'll only speak for me. I think we, we, we parent in a way that um, our motivation comes from exactly what you're talking about. You know, I have you know, we've talked about it. I don't think so much on the podcast, but you know, my relationship with my dad, uh, is very, very, you know, broken. Uh, and you know, he left home when I was really young and we've had a pretty bad, uh, run over the years. Um, that to me shaped how I wanted to be right. So you, you, you as a future dad, maybe someday hopefully if that's what you want you, your experience is going to be shaped by the great experience you had right with your yeah. with your father yeah um my experience as a dad 
is shaped by a very negative experience that I had from a father. Yeah. So we, I think the starting point for Jessica and I both was we want to do it differently and we want to do it well, right? We want to do this thing with excellence and that doesn't look the way it looks to everyone else. Um, I, I didn't realize how common it was for people to make their kids feel stupid. Hmm. You know, I never realized that till I started paying attention till I had my own kids. So, you know, I met dinner with, um, a couple coworkers and, uh, you know, this was, uh, about a month ago. And one of the, one of the coworkers, his daughter had gotten dropped off at work and basically came out to dinner with us. She's six at the table. He said to us, speaking to us, She's not very book smart, you know, but she's, she's, she's sharp, she, uh. but she's not very book smart. You know, she doesn't do well in school, but she, you know, she can figure stuff out. And I just thought that like immediately I looked at her and I just thought, did she hear that? Did she comprehend what this, what her dad just said? And it just blew my mind. Mm. Why would you say that? Man. You know, why would you say that? So ever since that night, so this is what I mean. And I'll get to the point. I guess I'll get to a specific answer. Um, ever since that night, every day when I drive David to school or when I'm just sitting with him and we're watching a show or we're playing with toys or we're doing whatever we're doing, um, I, I make it a point every day to say, do you know how smart you are mm. and kind and strong? And he believes that right? Hmm. He believes that he's the strongest little boy in the world. He thinks he's the <laughs> smartest little boy in the world. Maybe he's going to have a giant fucking ego, you know, but he's not going to feel like dad thinks he's stupid. Yeah. You know, he's never going to think that dad yeah. thinks he's stupid. He's never going to think that dad thinks he's weak. Hmm. He'll never think that dad thinks he's unkind. Hmm. Right. So I don't, you know what he turns into. Hmm. I don't know, man. I can't take responsibility for it, but what I will do is whatever I can, yeah. right? So, and what I can do is make sure that he knows I believe he is smart yeah. and I believe he is strong and I believe he is kind. Yeah. Um, and so to answer your question, I guess not exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't have a fear because I, because we're, we're, our starting point is, you know, we want our kid to be confident yeah. And we want him, you know, and, and I think we do that. We, we instill that by telling him good things and being yeah. kind and, and showing him what kindness and love look like. Yeah. I've said to people before, you know, he could be a janitor. <laughs> I'm not going to push him and be an unrelenting force of, you know, you're going to be a great athlete and you're going to be a great student and you're going to be, you know, all of these things. If he's the, the kindest janitor in the world, I'll feel like a successful dad, mm. you know, if, if we accomplish that, 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 you know, and I think he, if you're the kindest janitor in the world, you're probably not going to be a janitor for very long. Right. <laughs> um, so that, that's, what's important to us. So to answer your question, no, you know, I think our starting point is we want, we want to do better, you know, and we fight every day. There are definitely moments where I fail, you know, I get frustrated. I get I'm I'm taxed uh, emotionally and and mentally and and I make mistakes. Um, 
but there's no way that kid doesn't know that mom and dad think he's smart. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of what you're saying is stuff that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about identity. I don't know if you remember in the first multi-level Christianity mm-hmm. podcast, um, we talk about uh, identity and like where it's built and where it's framed in the mm-hmm. brain. And um, we talk a little bit about how stuff gets there like how your identity gets formed and shaped. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest biases um, for the way things are shaped is something called availability cascade. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. If you hear something over and over, you begin to believe it mm-hmm. regardless of merit. Right. So it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you hear something over and over and over again, you begin to believe it um, and it begins to become a part of your central thesis and your central thought process. Um, and so then in reality becomes a part of your identity and you telling your son that he is the smartest and he is the strongest. It's no longer like an active thought that he has in his brain becomes a part of his identity. Mm -hmm. And so every thought he has filters through that, that like those central theses. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's and that's what happened with me, but in the other sense, right? Um, that I that I was told so much that I wasn't worth, and I didn't, I wasn't enough, and I wasn't going to graduate, and I wasn't like. That's what my central thesis was, and I had to actively change that. Um, I can remember. I'll tell you a short story about Brandy um, and one of the breaking moments that I had, it was absolutely hysterical. Um, we met briefly and then like a year and a half later, she like left and traveled around the world. And I was going through this process at the time. Uh, I came across Tony Robbins. I'm not your guru on Netflix Mm -hmm. and watched it. And like the first time I was like, I, I was like heaving in a corner crying so hard because of the things that he was saying that was resonating on such a deep level. Um, and I remember I had literally had to stop the, the, the documentary at one point, um, because, uh, he said there are two types of people that seek love and I can't even remember what the first one was. He goes, but the second one is, um, uh, you are, uh, afraid that you are not enough. And because that fear, you are afraid that you won't be loved. And it was like, my world stopped for a moment and I was like, this is it. This is why I have always had a hard time being completely authentic and completely transparent is because I'm afraid if anyone sees the fact that I'm not enough, that then they won't love me. Mm-hmm. And that, that, like, that was my central thesis my entire life. I am not enough. And because I'm not enough, I can't be loved. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, and I started going through the process every single day telling myself, I was like, you are enough. I wrote it on the wall in my room. I would say it like a dozen times a day. And over this three month period, I started to restructure and reframe my brain. Like actively, I knew how availability cascade works. I know how to manipulate a brain. I was like, I can do this. I can, I can do this to myself. I can teach myself how to reframe its central thesis, how to reframe my identity. I know how to do this. 
So I started doing it every single day, every single day. Mark, you are enough. You are enough to be loved. You are enough to know exactly, that everyone can know exactly who you are. They're going to love who you are. I kept saying this over and over. And then Brandy came back into my life, literally the very first day. She, she like, she, she shot me a message. She's like, hey, I'm back in town. Would love to grab breakfast. And so we went and we get breakfast and breakfast was like three hours of catching up and then we then we go back to my place and it was like 11 a.m we we were hungry again so we ate some food and we started talking and we just came to this point where i started sharing some of my story and i didn't even tell her what i had been doing and what i had been going through and um there came a point where i was being really vulnerable and i'm even talking about it now i'm i it, i'm really emotional about this like it's one of those moments that lives uh in my brain for the rest of my life um like we were talking and i was talking about um I, all of the things i was going through growing up and she stops me she's like mark and and she just she she put her hands um, she put her hands like one hand was on, on my thigh and the other was on my chest. And she's like, you are enough. And it was like my whole world came like to a halt at that one point because I had been saying it outward for so long and she said it inward mm-hmm. and it was like everything stopped and I collapsed and it was like one of those ugly cry moments, uh, that I had because it was like everything I wanted my entire life. It was everything I wanted my mom to tell me, everything I wanted every person to tell me. And it was finally like somebody said the one thing that I had always needed to hear. And it was that I was enough. And because I was enough, I can be loved. And that's, and that's where everything began to change. <laughs> For some commentary here, my wife is embracing Mark. Uh, I just fucking relate to that like mm-hmm. so much. Mark will remember it got to the point where we almost got divorced. I remember the phone call. Yeah. I remember that very clearly. That was a hard battle, and oh, I'm so Jess. proud of you. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Um, I'm sure Brandy will listen to this. Brandy, I love you. Love you forever uh, for everything you did in my life. Um, And so now I'm at this point uh, where I've reframed everything I am in my life, Um, who I am as a person, my goals, my, um, my entire ethos who i am as a person now is about building up other people and helping as many people as i can and um and then i you know i get i get this this news about my mom having cancer and i'm i'm kind of left at this paradox i'm kind of left at this at at this i i'm i'm left without knowing what to do um because it's it's the source of my pain and I feel, I feel a, a call, an obligation, a duty to be there for my mom, knowing I can't be there for my mom. Mm-hmm. And that's the weirdest, the weirdest feelings I've ever had in my life. 
So I'm not going to pretend to have a solution to your. To, no, I don't know this. if there is one. I think um, we're just kind of talking. Through the this. great thing is the the whole setup of this podcast is that this is an experiment in self therapy, yeah. right? Where um, two best friends and occasionally my wife can jump in and have a conversation, you know, about what we're dealing with. So I don't I don't know the answer, um, but I think the starting point is this. It's talking about it, you know, expressing it, um, and exploring it. So I guess, you know, maybe if anyone, uh, if anyone has been through, um, something similar that is listening, uh, if you have a parent that you don't necessarily, um, have a great relationship with and they've gone through or are going through something similar, maybe, uh, we can start some dialogue there. That'd be great. I, you know, I've because of my high level of anxiety, um, one coping mechanism for me is to sometimes have, I have lots of conversations in my head about the way things would go or wouldn't go in different scenarios. Does that make sense? Do yeah. you ever do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. So, so one of those things, you know, that I've done in my head many times is because of my relationship with my dad, what would I do in this exact situation, hmm. right? Where I get that phone call or that Facebook message or that, what you know, whatever it is. Um, and I've never in those imaginary conversations in my head come to a satisfactory response or, you know, way of dealing with it. I guess what I would say is, do do you think... Do you think that your mom is at a place where she would understand the impact that she had on you if you were like, have you had this conversation with her in any way? No. And, um, I'm not sure I ever will, but I'm not sure I ever need to. Um, I have to be really cautious because I don't want to cause more harm than needed. Mm -hmm. That's good because I did that. <laughs> I I had I had this kind of conversation with my dad and it didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 broke the bridge a little bit more. So um I, th I think hearing the results of further um testing might change that answer mm -hmm. in ways, but ultimately um especially if if there's a timeline that is shorter than longer, um, a lot of our dialogue will shift to compassion and love. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I can forgive somebody who isn't sorry and accept an apology that wasn't given. Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of senses, I've done that. In a lot of senses, that's what has gotten me here. Um, I don't know what 2014 Mark would have done with this information. Um, had my mom been diagnosed five years ago, I don't know. Um, I, I strangely have a lot of peace, but the peace isn't about my mom. It's just within myself. So 2014 Mark would not have sat down and recorded and then broadcast a conversation about how his mom had impacted him and gone through the evolution that that 2019 mark has so what that tells me 
is that if you're looking for an answer about what to do at this junction or how to respond, I would say, you know, the answer may not be there, but you're three quarters of the way to it. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if there will be an answer for this. Um, but I know there's solidarity in bringing things to light mm-hmm. and bringing things into the open. Um, and, uh, me finding self-worth is something I still struggle with every single day of my life. Mm. Um, and so, uh, <clears throat> it'll be a forever battle for me for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, I, because of some amazing people in my life that have established that I have value regardless of what I believe, um, I'm now on a really, really, I'm, I'm, I'm at a really great place and I'm on a good path, uh, to a different story being told about myself. I'm really glad you have Brandy in your life because if I were your only friend, you would think you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, funny enough, Brandy was, she was only in my life for about four months and that happened on day one. Mm-hmm. That was, and I'm not even kidding you, day one, hour four. That was it. Yeah. And I vividly remember it. Shout out to Brandy. Shout out to all the Brandies. Not the name. The, the people in people's life. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was confusing. I now see that. <laughs> I've known some terrible ones. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I know. The, yeah. The, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, shout out to all the people in other people's lives who change the story. Is that so can can you become that? Yeah. I think you can. I think I was that for some people. You know strangely, I think I was that for my most current ex girlfriend. So when I when I was a store manager at Sears, this was something that um we talked about a lot among among other store managers. It was a common recurring theme that, you know, as a reminder that, we, you know, as a store manager, you're the boss of 40 plus people, your, your dinner conversation, right? Like when you're in that position, you're what people go home at night and talk to their families about. And that always left an impact on me. Every time I thought about mm-hmm. that, that like people are either going to go home at night and you think, what a piece of shit boss I have, yeah, you know, or... They're going to go home at night and they're going to be grateful that there's someone in their life who cares about them, who wants them to be successful, who wants to invest in them, Mm. you know? And I don't know that I'm that person for a whole lot of people today. I hope I am. I hope I'm that way for somebody, but man, I'd love to be, you know? So Brandy, jump on the podcast next week. Teach us how to be a Brandy. Yeah. Because that's cool. That's really cool.